Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. speak through me right now even though I'm not there physically with you this morning. So buckle up and hold on because here we go and uh, I'm sure our team is doing a great job this morning and I'm just excited. So uh, the first thing that I want to open with this is five and a half years ago, almost six years ago when Heather and I uh, started the church, one of the things that we didn't know, and I'm not sure if you know, if you've been to an intro dinner, you've probably heard us talk about this. But one of the things that has taken place uh, years ago, before we even started, was there was another church that actually tried to come into uh, St. Francis and start a campus, um, an Assembly God church like ours. And so he sent somebody to go in to do this, and a great guy, great pastor, and he came, and uh, some of you might have even been a part of that group, and uh, that didn't last very long. It only lasted a couple months, which was kind of a bummer, and uh, I ended up getting a chance to talk to that pastor, and I just said, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about when you guys went into St. Francis and you started meeting, you know, why why didn't it take off? Why didn't it go? Because it's, it's not about me, it's not about him, it's about there being a life-giving church within this community. And so I just asked him, I said, can you tell me why that is? And and he kind of put his head down and he just said, you know, um, the pastor asked me to go and do that and he just shared very briefly with me that his heart was not in it. And he said, it wasn't, it wasn't the vision that God had really put on my heart um, for what to do. And so uh, he's a great pastor. He's doing some other great things now. And in fact, I actually think he's getting ready to plant a church. But St. Francis is not where God had called him to. And so what I want to kind of unpack this morning is the vision that God had given Nehemiah. And then make it personal. What's the vision that God has given you uh, for your life alongside the, the bridge, alongside your work, alongside your family, and all of that this morning? So what I want to do is kind of give you some history first of the book of Nehemiah as we unpack this morning. Um, first is this. When we enter the book of Nehemiah, one of the things, and for those of you that know me, I'm a what's called a hermeneutical nerd. So I love um, being able just to, you know, dig into the Word of God and look at the, the historical context and, and what it meant to the audience of the day and, and all of that. And, and one of the things is if you take the book of Nehemiah, right before it is the book of Ezra. And actually in the Old Testament, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, it's one book. It's actually called Ezra Nehemiah. So when we get into Nehemiah, we're already halfway through the story. And so I would encourage you, if you're going to look at it at your, on your own, go through Ezra and Nehemiah together. So when we get to Nehemiah, here's what's taking place. Here's what's happening. The people of Judah and the city of Jerusalem was a mess. It was broken down. It was in rubbles. It was disparity galore. Um, it was a terrible condition. And actually, over 150 years earlier, Nebuchadnezzar and the armies of Babylon had invaded all of Israel. And what they did is they carried many of the Israelites off as slaves. And when we read that, we might think, what a cruel God. Why would he do that? Why would he allow his people go into captivity? But the reason that he would do this is because they had fallen away from God. And so what he was trying to do is get their hearts back. You know, we might have a vision for our lives and for God, but God always has a vision for ours. Um, the Jews, they desperately needed someone who had the vision um, to see Jerusalem and the walls restored, you know, basically to her former glory. 
They needed someone who was a visionary leader, somebody who was different. They needed somebody who had been captured by God and really set on fire by His Holy Spirit. And my prayer through this series is that God would speak to you and He would set you on fire to be all that He has created you to be. You see, God is wanting and needing vision warriors um, if we're going to see situations changed in our life just like Nehemiah saw. God is wanting you to be a visionary warrior or a vision warrior. And no longer are you, you know, just to support uh, the vision of the church, but you're to be it. Okay? So no longer just support. You are the vision of what God is doing at, at the bridge. Um, you, you and I, from the book of Nehemiah, we're separated by thousands of years. Um, we're removed from his time period, but we also live in a nation that is desperate for people a vision just like they were. And so my prayer throughout this series is that God would speak to you. What What is your part within the church? What is your part within your home life? What is your part within your work, your school, wherever it might be? What is the vision that God has put on on you? And if, if there isn't one yet, ask, because we're all called as Christians to be vision warriors or vision leaders. Um, we can become people of vision. We can become the people of God that He uses for His glory in these days to make a difference for His namesake. Um, as we look into these verses here, we're going to start unpacking this book here this morning. There are basically three simple facts um, presented here in chapter 1 as we open up that really teach us how to become people of vision. And so I want to start with, with number 1. And again, uh, I'll repeat these a couple times since I don't have a PowerPoint behind me uh, and uh, just so you're able to, to get this. So number 1 is this out of the three this morning is this. People of vision will encounter problems. Yay! People of vision encounter problems. We're all about life giving. Yes, Pastor Chris said I'm going to encounter problems. If you are a vision warrior, you will. It will happen. Check this out. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I'll give you a minute to turn there if you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I would really encourage you, grab your device right now, and you can download the U version, Y-O-U version, all one word. It's completely free, hundreds of translations. It's a great app, and you can follow uh, along or, or follow along, get to know one of your neighbors sitting next to you this morning, and say, hey, can I read with you? Here we go, Nehemiah chapter 1, the first four verses. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel or city of Susa. Verse 2. Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now, back in Nehemiah's day, the city looked a lot different than the city of St. Francis looks. We don't have a wall around it, but that wall was protection. That wall was security. It basically gave the outlying boundaries of that city. Um, and so it would keep keep the enemy out. And uh, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But this wall uh, was destroyed. It was no longer there. And so God really started speaking to Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a couple things about him. And then basically he started to encounter problems as a person of vision. One is this. He at first had a life 
of calmness. It was a life of peace. Uh, everything was great up until this time. He was, you know, cupbearer to the king, which we'll learn about later. He had a great position. Um, he was prosperous. Things were going well. He, in, in fact, even had political power alongside of, of King Artaxerxes. And in all of this taking place, everything was great. And then it seemed like all hell broke loose. It seemed like all of a sudden something happened where trouble came in and it broke his heart. And so we went from this, this life of calmness to essentially a life of calamity within a second. I, I don't know if you've been there, but it's as if you're going along and life is, is great one moment, and then just, just in a matter of seconds, it can feel as if life falls apart. You see, his peace was completely shattered by his brother Hanani when he came. And, and some scholars say he was a biological brother, uh, which I believe, some, some don't believe that. In either case, his brother Hanani came and said, the walls are destroyed, and it broke his heart. It went from this place of calmness to this place of calamity. The other thing is, what happened to his life, how he responded, is an example to us. He went from this life of calmness, calamity, and then he had a choice to make, and what he did is he was compassionate. He was compassionate on what was taking place. Um, This news completely breaks his heart of what's taking place and what happened, brings him to his knees, because obviously he sees this great need in this community of Jerusalem. You know, I have to tell you, uh, my wife and I, when we started the church five and a half years ago, that was really the vision that God had placed on our hearts uh, for this community. And we were excited. We started the church, and we thought, man, God, you know, I don't know why God is using us. We're we're nobodies, but what we learned later, and we're still nobodies, we're still figuring it out, is before we planted the church, there was an incredible group of people, some that attend this church now, that had been praying, and they had been praying over and over, waiting for us or someone to come and plant a life-giving church in this community. In fact, we learned of some that had been praying for a church like ours for over 20 years when we were told this, I tell you what, it physically brings you to your knees as you go, God, I'm not worthy, but we want to do what you're asking us to do. And I think Nehemiah felt the same way. And my prayer is that, what is the vision for your life? What's the purpose that God is giving you? And how are you to live that out just as Nehemiah did? You see, this is how God forms people of vision or vision warriors. He knows he knows how to stir our heart. You know, we get in that place, and and I'm not saying Nehemiah was complacent, but his life was calm. And then God knows how to get in there when we feel like all hell is breaking loose, but that's not really what hap- is happening. It's that God is going, I want to get a hold of Nehemiah's heart to change things. I believe God wants to do that even with his local church. And so what he starts doing is he starts uh, he, he starts stirring your heart and he starts calling you to become involved with him in what he's about to do. You know, I had a pastor who used to say to me all the time, he said, look where God is moving and go there. Okay, what, what is God up to? And then be a part of it. Jump right in. Let's look at the rest here of uh, chapter 1. So stay with me here. We're going to read verses 5 through 11. Again, look with your neighbor or on your on your device or your Bible this morning. Verse 5 through 11. Nehemiah's words, he says, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. 
I check this out. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. Verse 7, we have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even your exiled people are at the farthest horizon. I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by the great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Seems a little out of place, that last sentence. I was cupbearer to the king. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But are you kidding me? I mean, this guy knows how to pray. This He's like not only a vision warrior, he's a prayer warrior. I tell you, I read this and I go, God, allow my prayer life to be like Nehemiah's. It's incredible. It's insane. Just the, it's like he's got a direct connection to God. And that, that's what I want. I pray that's what you want too. And so number two this morning, so, so remember, number one, this morning's people of vision will encounter problems. So what do we do after that? Number two is this. People of vision, what do we do? We pray. We pray. Well, that's real simple, Pastor Chris. I pray all the time. I don't know that we pray all the time like Nehemiah does. I know I don't. And I know God has convicted me to pray and to seek Him just like Nehemiah does. In fact, he starts... By praying. The first thing when he finds out the calamity that's in his heart and the compassion he has on this wall is he stops and he prays before he does anything. He just prays. And what I love is what his prayers are here in chapter 1. And there's actually six attributes of prayer that he utilizes. Really quick, here's what they are. The first is his prayers first involve praising God. This morning the worship team got up and, and we all came together and we worshiped God. We praised Him. Why? Because we want to put God at the center and the first in everything. And so we say to him right away, God, you're the one that's worthy. And so what Nehemiah did is he praised God for the strength of all he is. He said, God, I'm going to praise you. You're, you, you are strength. You're the one that can do anything. Second, his prayers involve perseverance. Now this one for our American culture and me who loves fast food, White Castle, come on somebody, all right? Uh, for us, it's hard to do. It's hard to persevere in prayer because we're just like, God, we want it now. We, ju- we just want it right away. But it says in verse 6, he prayed day and night. In other words, he didn't stop. He didn't give up constantly. It was on him. He, he prayed without ceasing. This is what Paul talks about later in Ephesians. Pray without ceasing. Continue to pray. He, he didn't give up. Now, some of you know me. I'm, I'm relentless when it comes to games and, and when it comes to many different things. Uh, when I was in third grade, and you remember being in grade school, like K through fifth grade now, it used to be K through sixth, and uh, I had art class in our main classroom. And I remember, for whatever reason, here we are at art class, and my teacher, I don't even remember her name, I, she just looked weird and funny, that's all I remember. Like, she was your, you know, stereotypical art teacher, if you're an art teacher, that's no uh, reflection on you, by the way. But she, I just remember her being just kind of cuckoo looking, and she came and, and uh, she had this challenge for us that day. Now, most people would not even go after this challenge, but she said to me, she said to me in the whole class, she said, if you go home, and you come back and you are able to blink, uh, or, you know, one eyebrow rather than two, 
she would give you a large Butterfinger candy bar. Come on! Are you kidding me? You know, I'm in grade school in third grade. I got nothing better to do. And so I went home, and that night uh, I got in, and my parents asked me, they said, do you have any homework? And I said, not really. However, I went in front of the mirror, and I, I got in front of the mirror, and for the next probably six hours, no, no joke, I sat there, and I was trying to get my my muscles all relaxed and and. Uh, if you can just go in on my face here for just a moment, uh, this is what I did. I got into the into the mirror, and, and I was I was trying to get it down, and I, I couldn't quite get it down. And I and I practiced, and I persevered, and and I sat there, and eventually I got to the place where where I got my right one. Probably looks like my left to you, but I was able to do it with one at a time. And then the other one, it like went like rapid fire, like a rabbit. It was like this, you know. And so I was excited, and, and I got back to the teacher the next day, and I was so excited, I ran up to her. And I'm like, Mrs. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so. And and I'm like looking at her doing my eyebrow thing. And I so do I get the candy bar? And she's like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I want my candy bar. But I persevered. Come on. And so here's the deal. Prayer, when we pray, we're to persevere. We're to do it without ceasing all the time. The third thing that Nehemiah's prayer had was this. It involved penitence. Now you might say, what is penitence? Have you ever seen Indiana Jones? Do you remember when they're searching for the Holy Grail? They're in the cave, and one of the final clues is that only a penitent man can pass. And you have Harrison Ford sitting there with Sean Connery's on his back. He's shot. He's dying. He's got to get to the Holy Grail. And and they both go back and forth saying, only a penitent man can pass. Only a penitent man can pass. And they keep going back, and finally Harrison Ford realizes what it means, and he gets onto his knees, and this huge trap comes by and tries to kill him. And if he wasn't on his knees, it would have gone. And so a penitent man, not only is somebody on their knees, but it's the action of sorrow for what has been done. And so what Nehemiah did is he confessed his own shortcomings and then all the nation's sins and even his father's sins. So think about that. He confessed, he was a man of penitence, his own sins, his father's sins, and all the sins of Israel because he wanted his heart back with God. He That's what he was doing, is that's what prayer does, is it aligns our heart with God when we start confessing our sins. The fourth thing is this. It involved promise or God's promises. His prayers involved that. In fact, he reminded God about the promises he had already made. Why would he do that? Is it because God forgot the promise that he gave the Israelites? Not at all. God doesn't forget those things. He already knew. But Nehemiah started reminding God of the promises to show that Nehemiah trusted in those promises, whether it was a blessing or a curse on the nation, he believed it. And so he was showing by faith through his prayer that he believed that this was the true God of Israel as he confessed his sins, as he was repentant or a man um, of, of penitence. Number five, he involved others. Okay, His prayers involved partners. He shares with God while he's praying that he can't do it alone. Here's the deal. Any visionary warrior... For the vision that God has put on your heart. If it's a God-sized vision, and my prayer is that it is, you can't do it by yourself. Okay, We have a great team of people. I'm not even here today that are running this entire church. This is an awesome group of people. This is an awesome team of staff, an awesome team of volunteers, and an awesome lead team. So please give them a hand. They are phenomenal. They're phenomenal. But we can't do it by ourselves. You see, if we could, then it's not a God-sized vision. The last part of prayer, number six, is the petition. Isn't that interesting? Okay? 
The sixth, only one out of six parts of his prayer are him actually asking God for something. Okay, He asks him, and what's interesting to me, as a visionary leader, I'm always thinking the next big thing, like, God, man, give us this, or God, you know, allow us to be able to do X, Y, Z for the community. God, we want, you know, thousands of people at the Easter egg hunt. We want to see, you know, hundreds of people come to Christ Easter Sunday, or, or whatever it might be. You know, our, our fall launch coming up, six years as a church. God, we want it just to be incredible. And I'm thinking, Nehemiah sees this, or hears about the wall in ruins, Jerusalem in ruins. I'm thinking his prayer is going to be, God, would you restore the, the wall? Would you, would you do this? And instead, all he does is he takes the first part of what he believes he's to do, and that's all he asked for. And so his petition was simply, give me grace to go and speak to the king. That was it. Here's an interesting side note. The Lord is interested, I believe, in his people coming to him by faith to ask for the things they have need of. He might already know what they, you know, what we need, but he still wants us to ask, okay? The faith involved in our praying honors him greatly. And so, yeah, he, he already knows what you want or what you're thinking or what's on your heart, but ask him, ask him. All right, so number one, again, was people of vision will encounter problems. Number two, vision warriors pray. Number three is this, people of vision or vision warriors, we embrace what's known as providence, what is providence? Sometimes, I'll be really honest with you, sometimes we think the grass is greener on the other side. Have you ever thought that before? You thought, whether it's your work situation, whatever it is, you've always thought the grass was greener on the other side. I'm going to pick on myself and, and Pastor Matt for a moment. Pastor Matt and I have known each other a very long time, for about 10 years now. And uh, one of the things that we've talked about is we've talked about full-time ministry, We've talked about full-time secular career or in the corporate world, and we go back and forth. And there's sometimes we have the conversations where I go, man, I think some things would be easier, you know, in the corporate world. And, and he'll say to me, I think some things would be easier in the church world. And as we get to know each other, I can tell you what, God has placed Pastor Matt here as our worship pastor and as our worship leader for a reason. God's called him to do that. But at the same time, God has called him to be a corporate guy and work in that industry. He hasn't called me to do that. And I'm okay with that. Sometimes I wasn't. Sometimes Matt wasn't okay with that going, God, I, I don't know if I was supposed to be in full-time ministry. We, we should all be in full-time ministry no matter what our jobs are, no matter what the vocation is. But God called him specifically to the place he works at in St. Paul right now because there's people there that need Matt. Okay, There's people at your job that need you. And so the moment we go, well, the grass is greener on the other side, we're no longer being vision warriors and embracing the providence. And that essentially saying, God, I'm going to grow where you've planted me. I'm going to sink in my roots, even if it gets difficult at times, even if it's hard, no matter what, I'm going to be planted as a visionary warrior right here. So let me ask you this this morning. What is the provision God is giving you in the place God is growing you? I want to repeat that. What is the provision... God is giving you in the place God is growing you. Think about that for a moment. What is he doing? Because he will provide where he wants to see you planted. You know, the final statement in chapter 1, I, I love it. It's one of my favorite statements. I've actually preached entire messages just on this statement where Nehemiah says, I am the cupbearer, or I was the cupbearer. In other words, he was a trusted individual to the king. It's about him. 
It's about Nehemiah. It's interesting to me. He hears the news of the walls in Jerusalem. He hears this taking place. He goes and he prays. And then he ends the chapter saying, I was cupbearer to the king. Why? What, what, why does that make sense? I believe that he knew who he was and where he was was no accident. He knew that was his providence where he was supposed to be. And so let me say this to you this morning as we kind of wrap things up here together. Your position, whatever it might be, is no accident. Okay? Whether it's your position at church. Well, it's, it's my job and we have a great cleaning crew. You know what? A church on a Sunday morning needs a message of God and it also needs clean toilets. It needs both. You know? So be planted where we're at. You could be something at work where God has planted you. You might say, I, I don't know about the people or sometimes they're, they're a pain to work with. Well, God has put them in your life for a reason. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's your home life. You know, that's the one thing that we can't really get rid of is our family. You know, that's who you're stuck with. That's who God thought was best for you. Be that visionary warrior in your family. You see, I believe if you go back to the book of Esther, she talked about there being such a time as this. That's what you're created for. And perhaps you were born for such a time as this to be that visionary warrior, whatever that vision is. Again, we're here to support corporately the the vision of the church, connecting people with eternal life. But then there's individual visions that God has given each person that you're to live out. So your position is no accident. The resources you have are no accident. Well, Pastor Chris, I don't have enough resources to do where God has put me. I don't, I don't believe that. I believe God has by faith. They have been given to you to use for God's glory. Otherwise, He wouldn't have put you in that position. He's given you everything you need. You just might not see it sometimes, and that's where the faith steps in. Number three is power is no accident. Okay, so your position is no accident, your resources are no accident, and power is no accident. You may say, well, what do you mean by power? I'm talking not by power from you or from me or anybody, but it's simply power from God. Okay, Nehemiah had this vision, and he dedicated the vision God had given to him to God. Okay, he was a visionary leader. God started speaking to him about the walls in Jerusalem that needed to be rebuilt. Allow God to fill you with the Holy Spirit to lead as a visionary warrior, just like Nehemiah. You know, we started this message this morning, and uh, one of the things that happened when we started this message was uh, the person that started, you know, a campus or tried to start a campus within St. Francis and this community didn't have a heart for it. And that's not, there's nothing against him. That's not a character flaw at all. It just wasn't what his vision was. Heather and I had been praying and praying, and our prayer in our life became this. It simply became, God, we want to have the biggest impact for you no matter what. No matter what that is, we want the biggest impact for you. And we prayed that over and over, and God started to speak to us. And I have to tell you, Heather and I, are, we're not your typical pastors. We, what you see is what you get. We're easy going. Many of you have been over to our house or been in a fishing boat with me or out to eat with me. Uh, this is it. And we're going, God, if you want to use this, man, you can. You know, I, there might be a better choice. But yet God said, no, I've given you vision for this church. And he has. He's given us vision and, and things that we see for this church and this community that, again, I say will scare you. I'm going to unpack some of those this summer. And uh, when I'm back uh, in a few months, I'm going to really share you know, those things. But I believe God has done that for a reason and a purpose. And that reason 
is to connect people with eternal life. We want to depopulate hell and populate heaven eventually. And so that's what it's about. That's the vision that God gave us. And so when we, when we planted the church uh, six years ago, five and a half years ago, we had decided in our hearts that no matter what, we're going to give it to God. We're going to, we're going to praise Him when we feel like we're losing. We're going to praise Him when we feel like we're winning. No matter what, we're going to give Him the glory and make sure that He's a reflector of that all the time. We're going to pray as a vision warrior. We're going to put Him first. And then we're going to be people of providence. Um, we're planted here. We're, this is not, you know, there's not something next after the bridge. This is where we want to, what we want to do the rest of our lives. This is it. And we believe God has, has placed us here for such a time as this. And we look forward to doing ministry with every single one of you. Um, one of the reasons that I'm excited about being away from you right now physically, even though I'm with you in spirit this morning, is that it shows that the church is not focused around any one person. Okay? But the church is focused around Jesus Christ. If it is focused around one person, then we might as well shut the doors because it needs to be focused around Jesus, not, not Pastor Chris, not any of our elders, not any of our staff, but around Jesus only. And, and I just want to say we have an incredible team that's demonstrating that right now. And I encourage you to, to not only do the church, but be the church alongside. So let me ask you this as we conclude here this morning. Would you agree with me? Would you agree with me that we desperately need people of vision in our day? Would you agree with me? I think we all see the need for people who are in touch with God, for people who are moved by God, and people who are on the move for God. We need that kind of people in our churches, our families, and our communities. That's what God's looking for. And those are the people who will be used to change the world one step at a time, in what I would call the last days. We'll talk about that later. So now the question we face this morning is this. Do you want to be one of these people? Do you want to be a visionary warrior, a vision leader? If you do, which I, I pray you do, I pray that's every single person here this morning, but if you do, you need to realize that God has you living in this day for a reason and a purpose. You're not here by accident this morning then you need to get before Him to find that purpose and to catch His vision for seeing that purpose fulfilled in your life. You might not see it fulfilled in your life, but you'll be a part of it. And God will use you if you will give Him you to use. Let me say this last thing. God will use you if you will give Him you to use. Hey, I pray you have a great week. Let's worship together this morning. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.